Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DC Comics Secret Origins podcast, episode 10, where we're going to go back to the golden age and talk about the origin and first appearance of Carter Hall, Hawkman, plus a couple other characters that will have their first appearances in that book as well. But before we go into all of that, let me remind you that you should go over to Twitter and follow us at Weird Science DC. You follow us, I promise I'll follow you back 100%. Also, go over to our website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com, where we review most of the books that come out each and every week by DC Comics. And then, if you would be so kind, go over to our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Weird Science, where you can help support all the shows and more shows that we have now here on the regular feed, but get a ton of other shows that are exclusive in return, and a lot of the other shows quite like this one, quite like the Secret Origins podcast that did get its start on our Patreon. So all of those links will be in the show notes, and I'll also throw it out there if you like this podcast, if you like our new Best DC Comics Podcast or even our weekly comics podcast, please rate and review us on Apple Podcast, iTunes, wherever you listen to this. That always helps out everything. But without further ado, let's get on with the show where, as I said, we're going to go back to the Golden Age, 1940, and talk about the origin and first appearance of Carter Hall. Hawkman. And before we jump into his first appearance, let's talk a little bit about Hawkman. Hawkman is the name of several fictional superheroes published by DC Comics, created by writer Gardner Fox and artist Dennis Neville. Hawkman first appeared in Flash Comics number one and was a featured character in that title throughout the 1940s. This Hawkman was Carter Hall, a reincarnation of the ancient Egyptian prince Khufu. Hall discovered that the mysterious ninth metal later changed simply to nth metal could negate the effects of gravity and allow him to fly. He donned a costume with large wings to allow him to control his flight and became the crime fighter Hawkman. Hawkman was a charter member of the Justice Society of America, beginning with All-Star Comics number three. In issue number eight, he became the JSA's chairman, a position he held until the end of the JSA's run in All-Star Comics in 1951. He was the only member of the JSA to appear in every adventure during the golden age of comic books. And before we jump into Flash Comics number one, the first story of Hawkman, I just want to, you know, stop a second to talk about why I think Hawkman's cool, why I wanted to talk about this first appearance on this podcast. And it all goes in with the mythology, the idea of the reincarnation. And it's one of those things you will end up having a bunch of different versions of Hawkman. You end up having Qatar Hall, the Thanagarian. Then they try to combine that, saying that the nth metal was actually brought to Earth by the Thanagarians in a space. All these things going on, but everything involved. I like the Egyptian mythology, even though it's a little wonky. We'll get into that. But I also like the setup of it, where you even have Carter Hall, who is a veiled reference to Howard Carter, the archaeologist that discovered King Tut's tomb and one of the most famous archaeologists of all time. And you also have Khufu, who ends up being reincarnated down the line as Hawkman Carter Hall, all that. And that is a big deal. That's a historical figure. The Pharaoh Khufu, you might have heard of his burial place 
the Great Pyramid of Giza. These are cool things. Also, just as an aside, the artist Dennis Neville, who, as I looked up, seemingly is still alive at 102. So, you know, all the props to him for that is the inspiration he got for Hawkman's look as Hawkman is the Hawkman of Flash Gordon, the comic strip Flash Gordon. And that's something that I really think is cool. And I like that as well. But with all of that, and we'll talk about more things as we get into this first issue. And as I said, it is Flash Comics number one. The story specifically, the origin of Hawkman cover date of January 1940, but published on November 20th. 1939 again written by Gardner Fox with pencils and inks by Dennis Neville and we'll go into that right now and this first Hawkman story starts with an introduction to the Hawkman on a top of the first page it says the Hawkman beginning the tale of a phantom of the night the Hawkman who from time immemorial has fought the cause of justice against the force of evil the Hawk fights the evil of the present with the weapons of the past. And then we jump to the library of Carter Hall. And it says that he is a wealthy collector of weapons and a research scientist. This will then become archaeologist, but kind of get that kind of feel right away because he has a package. And he goes, oh, my God, another prize for my collection from Jim Rock in Egypt. You know, Jim Rock in Egypt, the guy who seemingly sends ancient artifacts through the mail. I don't know that that's quite legal. Maybe back then it was. I don't know. I know that there were problems with even King Tut's tomb and what belongs to who and who has rights to what. But this package is there. So, you know, that's not here nor there. And you end up having Carter open it up. And it just glows right away. And he says, oh, my God, a glass knife for sacrifices. Why is it making me dizzy? Why am I getting sleepy? Now, it is the play that this is the nth metal, that Carter does not recognize it, thinks that it's glass, and that when he touches it, it activates in his mind all the memories of his reincarnations, especially the first deal as Prince Khufu. Now, with that, I will stop a second and say, Gardner Fox puts a lot of information into these 12 pages. There is a ton of information, a lot of cool stuff. It's epic and scope, all of that, but it gets wonky. There are contradictions of its own things in the issue and also very suspect knowledge of ancient, you know, Egyptian mythology, stuff like that. But at the end, It all works out in the deal. But boy, there's some jump to conclusions and some weird things. Because with that, again, you have Carter start out saying a glass knife like he does not recognize the nth metal that ends up activating these memories of the reincarnation. But you do end up then going back to ancient Egypt. I'll tell you, the first time that I read this, I thought that it had teleported Carter himself back to ancient Egypt, mainly because you end up having... Egyptian prince Khufu, who just looks like, you know, Carter Hall in a green robe. That's so that we understand who it is. But this is not him being teleported back. There's no time where Carter's like, oh, my God, what happened? Why am I in ancient Egypt? No, he is now remembering as if a dream. The first deal with him as Prince Khufu, as then you'll go and be reincarnated down the line to get to Carter and then beyond all that stuff going on. 
And right away, he is being attacked by Hasset, his big villain. Now, Hasset's kind of ordering his guy, Kolar, to whip Prince Kufa because they're trying to find out where Shaira is. And there's the other big name right away. And you end up having Prince Kufu say, I'm not going to tell you where Shaira is. I would never do that. Turns the table on this Kolar, R.I.P. Kolar, and you end up having him and Hasset run away. They actually run away as Prince Kufu is yelling, I'll get you, you false priest. I'll get you, you darn Hasset. And he knows that at this point, Hasset's going to be going off to try to find Shaira. And you end up having Prince Khufu jump on a chariot. He's going to try to beat Hathset there. Now, with that, you're thrown right into this. But again, what is as universal as the bad, you know, dark wizard trying to get the good guy's girl and he has to go off to save his girlfriend? I mean, it's, it's very universal. You can get it really quick. And it's a really good way to get the idea of these villains because what you're doing for this little ancient Egypt deal is just setting up the reincarnation, setting up that big scope of things because you do end up having Prince Khufu slash Carter Hall. He gets to Shire. He gets to it first. Oh my God, you're safe. Let's go. Oh, hath set. Uh, I think that he's going to start doing some wacky stuff. And he does because this is the middle of the day. This is like biblical stuff where they look out the window and it's dark. I mean, this is noon, and it is dark. Hath sets ancient magic, has turned off the sun, all of these things, and they know that they're going to be attacked. And at first, it's just men, and you end up having Prince Kufu say, well, men I can take. You know, this magic stuff, that gets really tough, but men I can fight against, and I actually prefer to do that, and goes, and he really kicks some butt. He seemingly is fighting off an entire army. He does get tired, though. People do get tired. And it's funny, if you want to go later on, it's almost as if Hatset had sent the army like a Bane trying to wear down Batman so that then he could just come in. And instead of breaking his back, what Hatset's going to do is pretty much just straight-up sacrifice Prince Khufu. So with that, you do have, to the end, Khufu is trying to protect Shaira. He ends up getting hit by an arrow. And then I love he, he does all this fighting, gets hit but in the arm by an arrow and goes, yep, Hasset wins. <laughs> he just says it. And he did. So then Hasset's there and he has both Prince Khufu tied up, but also Shaira as they go off to do this sacrifice. And that's where we see that that knife that our man Jim Rock sent by mail, that is the dagger, that is the knife that ends up killing or sacrificing Prince Khufu. But again, we're going to go through this idea of nth metal being something special, the idea that when Hasset does, you know, kill Prince Khufu, Prince Khufu then says, you know, I die. It's a prophecy. It says, you know, the dying prophecy, seemingly setting up all of these reincarnations not even just prince khufu but also has set shaira this is all combined into this as he says i die but i shall live again as shall you have set and then i shall be the victor and basically you know it's trash talk at the end listen you think you won now this is just the beginning we're going to go through this in time immemorial we're going to keep fighting and i promise you i will win 
more than 50% of the time. I, I wish he just said, I'll win 51%. But he ends up saying, I will be the victor. And boom, we're back in the 20th century again. Carter Hall wakes from his dream and looks at the knife. Now, jumping to conclusions with this, though, it, he's gained the knowledge because of the nth metal of the knife and says, okay, this is the knife that killed me. Don't really know who this Khufu is, but we'll figure that out. Then does not Hath Set live again? And perhaps Shaira? Have we all been reincarnated? Oh my God, this is crazy. And then grabs the knife and is like, I'm putting you away. You're going back in a box, a wooden box now. Not just something that went through the mail. We're going to lock you away because I do not need you to kill me again, knife. This time I shall be prepared. And then just decides, well, you know, I, I kind of just did pass out for a while. Maybe he hit his head on the coffee table. And I mean, that would kind of, you know, shake you a bit where you end up passing out. You have this vision of your past life as Prince Khufu. Uh, that might mean that you need to take a little walk. And he says, I think I'm going to walk around the block a couple of times and kind of figure out what's going on. And he walks by the subway and the subway says people just coming out, screaming and yelling. There's smoke billowing out of the subway, and you see that he is a hero type. I mean, he doesn't run away. He runs into the subway, seemingly at this point, to just see what's going on. Maybe he's more nosy than heroic. I don't know. I'm not here to judge him, but he runs down and bumps into a lady. And she's like, oh, my God. And he looks at her and goes, oh, my God, pardon me. Oh, my God, you're Shaira. Is it you, Shaira? And she says, Shaira? How do you know that? And he's like, never mind, never mind for now. Let's look what's going on. And what has happened is the rails have all caught on fire because of a massive volts of electricity. A surge of electricity has come through. And then basically Shire is like, oh, looks like everybody's dead in those trains in the subway. Let's get out of here. And they do. They get out of there and they get into the cab. And you end up having Carter say, 88 Rimble Road. And hurry, I'm taking you to my home, Shire. I have this story to tell you. Now, with that, his home address changes a lot as you go down the deal. Maybe he gets new residence. Maybe they just keep throwing it out there. But that is something that they note a lot in this first issue. Uh, but he ends up telling Shaira about this deal. Now, you would think that, you know, there's Carter. And he's like, I'm going to tell her this story and she's going to believe everything I say. I mean, it's a crazy story, right? And he says, and that's how I got the knife. And the tale of the priest and you and me. Shaira, normally you would think would be like, uh, my stop is here, cab driver. Uh, don't ever call me. Lose my number. I'm out of here. But she doesn't. She says, oh, my God, I've had those dreams, too. Only I thought them nightmares. How did she have those dreams? Because these things seem to be activated by touching that knife, touching the nth metal. We don't get any sort of inkling that she has ever touched any nth metal, had any sort of connection with that. So why is she saying, well, I had those dreams, too. They were nightmares. It's, it's wonky, but it gets them together. It makes it so that Shire doesn't say, yeah, this is my stop and gets out. But you end up having Carter take Shire to his house and takes her. Hey, you can sit here on the couch in the library. I have things to do. I'm going to go to my laboratory. So what he ends up doing first off, and it gets a little confusing the first time reading through, but what he does, he goes first off checking his dynamo detector uh, for energy surges. That's number one. And then 
he ends up making a belt of nth metal wings a hawkman thing and a quarter step and comes out dressed as the hawkman he ends up having all of that done and he takes off and he said it says the hawkman peril of the night whose extraordinary powers are derived from carter hall's discovery of the secret of the ages when did he have time to discover this the only thing he knew was that quote-unquote glass dagger made him dizzy but it seems that the nth metal defies the pull of Earth's gravity. That is why he is able to fly with his belt and harness. And again, the wings aren't really wings. They are on him to let him navigate as he flies, as they, we said at the beginning. But he goes and flies off and goes to where it said this energy surge was coming from. And it is the home of Dr. Haster, electrician extraordinary. Is what the tag is for him You could have worse things That people would call you I don't know that electrician Extraordinary is the greatest Of names but we'll go with it And if it's not You know pretty much out on front street Dr. Haster is the Reincarnations of Hathset so we're going to get right back To that battle as you end up Having Carter's Hawkman go in Checking it out as Dr. Hester is just pretty much yelling his plans to nobody in particular in a room with a bunch of really cool, you know, gizmos and gadgets that he's using to create this electricity and says that he had cleaned out the subways by causing all that electrical surge and burning up the subway cars, all that. So the city will have to listen to my demands now. Right? You know, hey, he has pretty much just destroyed the subways. Now he thinks he can rule the world. And with that, he starts almost saying, hath said, he almost says Anubis, but he's cut short because what looks to be almost like this room is made in an igloo, you end up having Carter with his Hawkman mask, like peek his head in and like, well, what's going on? What's going on in here? And you end up having Haster see this costume and oh my this must be anubis hawk god of the ancients now we're gonna stop a second here this is the idea first off i'll say that the whole concept of the hawk look is that carter is dressing up as hawkman trying to look like the quote-unquote hawk god anubis to scare anubis's followers he is not with anubis he's against him so he's dressing up to scare and put that Fear into Anubis's followers. Now, with that, Anubis isn't a hawk god. Anubis is a jackal who is the god of the dead in ancient Egypt. I don't know how this got mixed up, how things went from one to the other. I mean, really, if you're going to go with the idea of who it should have been, it should have been Horus, which would have been more in line with this. Even see a statue when you end up having Hastur go to the statue. There it is, Anubis the Hawk God. No, it's not. It doesn't make sense. But, you know, here nor there, we're we're going to play with it. We're going to go with it. And really, I would rather have Hawkman than Jackal Guy. So I will stick with it. I'll, I'll go with it. I'll, I'll run with it. But what happens is, you know, Carter flies with his quarterstaff as a little aside, too. The first weapon that we see Hawkman use is not a mace. It's a quarterstaff kind of a little bit of trivia there and starts destroying all this electrical gadgets and, and all the gizmos and stuff where you have Haster just 
going out the door of the lab, shaking his fist at who he still thinks, you know, is a Hawkman, who is a guy, uh, you know, the personification of Anubis, all these things. And he's like, you shall pay, you fool, pay and pay and pay. He's like, I mean, is that almost giving you the wink, wink of he's going to keep paying through? All of the reincarnations Because boy that bill is adding up Pay, pay, pay And he goes out and then figures Okay I'm going to have to go And do something about this What's what's the real thing going on Well he ended up having it It says several hours later It seemingly is that You have Carter still dressed as Hawkman Walking around the manor Trying to find Dr. Hester He can't find him and I imagine he's like, come out, come out wherever you are. He's like looking under the bed. Then he looks under the bed again. Then he says, I think he's under the bed. I don't think he really looked because Hester's still there. He, he seemingly is just on a balcony watching and he sees Carter there. And at this point, Carter's just walking around the front lawn. And I don't know what he's checking out now. And Hester sees him and then realizes, oh, my God, that's not Anubis. This is where he realizes I don't have to be afraid. That's that darn Khufu. He is reincarnated. And because of that, then Shaira must live also. And that's a kind of a cool little deal that goes with when you have Carter wake up from this dream, when he sees the first bit with Prince Khufu and Hathset and Shaira. He even says to himself, they must be alive, and then runs into Shaira. So you end up having Khufu. Now, again, how does... You know, Haster slash Hasset remember all this as well, but we'll go with that. He seems to be more in the know uh, with that. And he goes off to you know, work a little black magic spell, work a little deal as he prays at the altar of Anubis and sends out myrrh, the scent of myrrh. Right? Everybody's heard this, the wise men, stuff like that. So myrrh is in the air and only the ancient old bloods will react to that and when they do the spell ends up pretty much making them zombies that will then walk towards Haster's mansion with their arms out you know pretty much you know in the cliche I must go to Haster with the arms out like you're sleepwalking uh the thing is they spell this out Gardner Fox realizes that okay we can't have Hawkman be you know affected by this they say that Hawkman is too far up in the air at that point to be affected but the smell of myrrh and boy you ever smell myrrh you know it's a sweet smell it is you end up where it gets to Shiera in Carter Hall's library and she starts walking towards there uh in the meantime you end up having Carter trying to get back to his house to make sure Shiera is okay, and when he gets there, she's not there. So he shakes his fist a little, says, I know it was Haster, and I like when they end up, you know, saying names now in this, because they really want you to know. Gardner Fox really needs you to know that Haster is actually the reincarnated deal of Hasset. So he's like, Haster, and then in parentheses, Hasset, has her in his power this time, I'll show no mercy. So he goes back into his lab and starts grabbing some things. Right, you would almost hope that he would grab a mace here. He doesn't he? Grabs a crossbow. Okay, that makes sense. He is a guy who collects weapons, ancient weapons at that. So he goes and grabs that. Then he says, "I'm gonna grab the other cloak I have of the nth metal. That's gonna be used for Shira. If she's in trouble, I will put this cloak over her, and she will not be affected." And 
how does he have that? How does he have that? He didn't know what metal. So we have another bit of wonkiness. Now, I kind of skipped over a part that I want to mention. At the point where Carter first then comes into contact with Haster in the lab, Haster slash Hasset tries to electrocute Carter. But because of the nth metal, Carter is not, he's impervious to this whole electricity. He can't be electrocuted. He even says, I have a quarter staff that's made of wood. He doesn't have anything that's going to conduct. And in fact, the nth metal protects him from that electricity. He explains it because of the idea that it works against the electrical charges of gravity and stuff like that. You know, it's it's comic book science. But that's why he wants to grab this nth metal cloak because he's afraid that Haster slash Hasset is going to try to electrocute Shira. But again, how does he have this cloak? Why does he have this cloak? And then why didn't he realize before, touch it before, and all these things activate? It's very wonky, but he goes off as you end up seeing Shira get to Haster's mansion. He grabs her, and yeah, he's going to try to electrocute her. He ends up setting her up, and you end up having her between a bunch of these. Again, I thought Carter had destroyed these, but he has more of these gizmos and gadgets. It, It really looks like one of those things that if you go to, like, a kid's science museum where you have that ball uh, of electricity deal where you, you touch it and your hair stands up, right? That's what they all look like. They all look like these big electrode things. And she is going to die. She's going to be electrocuted. But Hawkman shows up to save the day by throwing this nth metal cloak over her that does end up protecting her and then ends up shooting Haster slash Hasset with this crossbow. And as we saw before, if you get shot by an arrow in the arm or shoulder, that's game over. I mean, because he does get shot. He's like, oh, my God, he falls over. And then in what seemingly is a loving embrace, Carter goes and grabs him. And they start, you know, talking and yelling at each other. And you end up having Haster slash Hasset say, you win now, Hawk. My head. Perhaps I shall not. Not die, who knows? And then you end up where, out of nowhere, Carter goes, man, that electricity in the subway was you. <laughs> and the, But you're not going to get blamed now. This isn't fair. They're not going to know it's you because you're going to die. He doesn't die. It, the whole thing of this is he seemingly then leaves Hester like, I'm out of here. I'm going to put you down. He goes and grabs Shira, who's passed out. I mean, she was hypnotized getting to the mansion anyway. But now, you know, she's passed out. He gets her and then takes her over to talk trash to the statue of Anubis. You know, Anubis, the hawk god, and says, this time, Anubis, god of evil, we won. Your priest is dead. Take that. And then he goes off back to his mansion and sets Shaira on that couch again and says, you know, you're not going to remember anything. This is pretty cool. You know, I I don't need to explain stuff. I don't know why he would need to or have to or whatnot, but he says, not even you will know the night's doing, Shira. It's just as well. Now, with that, he goes then, gets his pipe out, looks out. He has like a robe on, nice robe. He looks out his, his window. The I guess this would still be the moon, maybe, but whatever. He's there. He's looking out and he says, it seemed too easy a victory. I'm afraid I haven't seen the last. Of Haster. He's correct. Yes, he is correct. Haster slash Hasset 
is still out there. But it says, following the further adventures of Hawkman against the powers of ancient evil, he wars next month on the Globe Conqueror. All right, so we go off there. But again, there's some wonkiness. There's also some fun. There's also some really cool moments. But really, when you get out of this issue, when you get out of this first story, I think if you read this the first time, there's, a, again, packed with info. And maybe the amount of info works to its advantage because of the idea. Things are swirling around in your mind, but some of the things that stick are the big things. Oh, my God. He's reincarnated from Prince Khufu from ancient Egypt. And, and also his big villain, this evil wizard from he's there, too. And he can fly and he has these weapons and he has this girl and all that. Is what you remember out of that And that's pretty exciting stuff And you know for me I am a big fan of archaeology I'm a big fan of Egyptian archaeology As well and mythology So you even get a kick Even if it gets messed up a bit You get a kick out of it It's really cool and makes it different Makes it bigger than a lot of these other You know heroes A lot of other heroes And you get that mystic deal But this is more in my mind Okay you have you know, the mystic arts and you have the magicians and you have all those things going on. This is different because it's still a guy who can kick butt. It's a flying guy who looks like a hawk or at least dresses up like one and can kick butt, but also has that mystic stuff involved. It's a lot of things involved that I think make it even cooler than what would be the standard just magician guy that you had a lot of back in the day at this point. So I, I think it's it's really good. It's a really fun first story. Again, things start changing. Things get wonky. You end up having Robert Van Diddy trying to give the definitive version of Hawkman. A lot of people did applaud that because things it got wonky. You start ending up saying it's, it's with that. You have a similar deal a bit with the Blue Beetle, with the, you know, the Scarab, the Ted Court to Jaime Red, all these things going on. Things get a little wonky when you start to combine, you know, ancient things with then space stuff and it gets all in. But yeah, you end up having to start with Carter Hall. And I'm more of a fan of Carter Hall than the Qatar Hall, the Thanagarian. Just it's it's more of the archaeology deal that I always dig. Uh, but yeah, so that's that. I hope you enjoyed listening to this. I hope this is something that you go and check out. And read yourself You can get that on the DC Universe Or DC Infinite it's called, right? The DC Infinite app Check it out And with that I'm gonna say goodnight Goodbye, but before I go Please check out our Twitter At WeirdScienceDC Also check out our website WeirdScienceDCComics.com Where we review most of the issues That come out each and every week From DC and then go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash science to support us for all these things. And again, this is one of the three shows. This show comes out on Friday night. We end up having our weekly review show of the current books with me and Eric on Sunday night. And then the plan is to have the best DC Comics podcast come out late Wednesday into early Thursday. That is kind of the setup for this whole deal. I hope that Everybody listens to all these and lets me know what you think, what you're doing, all that stuff. So, yeah, thanks, everybody. And the Patreons, patreon.com slash weird science, where you can go. And when you go and sign up, each level has more and more podcasts, up to like 60 shows, different shows uh, each month. We have a lot of shows that we do. 
Doesn't mean you have to love them all or listen to them all, but there is usually going to be something to pique everybody's interest. A lot of shows just like this one, this Secret Origins, I said at the beginning, this ended up starting off as a Patreon show. So I hope everybody enjoys it, and I will talk to you later. 